you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into the book of Luke this morning, and we're going to continue in our series, and uh, we're going to take a few moments here today and just touch base on a couple of things. You know, we've been talking this month how, you know, when we're driving in our cars and the car is out of alignment, it, it will cause some damage in the car. It will uh, cause resistance and it will uh, impede you from getting a lot of gas mileage out of it. It will even uh, put you in danger where your car could go and swerve to the wrong way and uh, could cause an accident. So uh, driving without an alignment is not fun. And as we begin a new year, we're thinking of habits, we're thinking of what we want to realign in our lives, and so we've been focusing on our prayer life. That this year, we want our prayer life to be impactful. We want it to be effective. We want it to be powerful. Because the Bible promises us that the prayers of a righteous man avail much. And so maybe there might be some resistance that we've encountered in our prayers. And so far this month, we've looked at the model Jesus gave us uh, in what we know affectionately as the Lord's Prayer. How he taught us that we were supposed to be recentered as he gave us that model. We looked last week at some of the blockades to uh, getting answers to our prayers and what would impede us from receiving the prayers. Today, I want to explore something that I feel is taken out of context, something that I think has caused resistance when we come to pray, and we might be adding resistance to our prayer lives unknowingly by living in this mode and believing and working and practically implementing what I find here in John chapter 14. So if you're there, say amen. The disciples are with Jesus. It's the upper room. He's telling them he's going to leave. They don't want him to leave. They're sorrowful. They're they're not excited. He knows he's going to the cross. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise again. He's going to ascend to the Father. All of these things are in the minds of the disciples and Jesus and all of that. And here we get to our scripture. And it says in John chapter 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He opens up this sentence with incredible possibility. It's wide. It's deep. There's a breath to it. There's a lot there. And then as soon as he does so, Jesus comes in and he balances it with some boundaries. So today there's some boundaries. There's a, there's a broadness to our prayers, but there is a boundary to our prayers as well. Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask you, Lord, just make this practical and applicable in our lives that we would come to you, Lord God, with incredible boldness. But that, God, we would come to you, Lord Jesus, within the constraints and within the proper plan of what you have for us in prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, say amen. Amen. So let's just focus really briefly here on the broadness of prayer. Jesus opens up as he's talking to his disciples saying, hey, I know I'm about to leave. You guys are not too happy. You guys are, you know, we've spent these years together and now you know that I'm about to go. Let me encourage you and leave you with something because though I'm going, there is going to be a perpetuation of my plan. You will be able to continue to do the things that I have shown you to do. I have demonstrated for you and I've called and charged you to do. So he leaves them this. He says, he opens up, certain things you ask for in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me big things in my name, 
I will do it. Right? That's your Bible. That's what you see in your scriptures, right? Certain things, if you ask me big things, this is what I will do for you. Is that what it says? My Bible says something different. My Bible doesn't say certain things. It says anything. Anything that you ask. Whatever, whatsoever you should ask. Those two words carry a very broad connotation. It's wide-ranging. There's a sense of no limits. There's endless possibilities where I could come. Every time I come to God in prayer, it could be something new and something in. Every time I come, there is not a single thing that is off limits. Every time I come, I can bring anything to him. There is a wide range within those words, anything and whatever. Yet some of us, when we approach God, we approach as if the scriptures were written in, uh, in this way. Certain things I can bring to him. Only the big, big, really important, you know, dire impossibility type things I can bring before him. But this thing here, this, this little thing of mine, you know, Nat and I, we went out, we watched a movie recently called Redeeming Love, and it was a good movie. Uh, I was encouraged because it, it's so related to the book of Hosea, the Old, the Old Testament prophet. Um, but there was a part where the, the main character goes, one of the main characters goes into the church and he's praying. And then as he's about to leave, he, he turns around and he says, oh, by the way, God, you know, can I just talk to you about this? And he starts bringing something. And it was so interesting to see just the, 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 the attitude that he had, the, the, the familiarity in which he could come to God, the, the non-caring way where he wasn't too hung up on all these little things. But he, th- this was something that was so incredibly dear and desiring for him. So he's like, oh, by the way, God, you know what? I would love to be able to share all that you've blessed me with with somebody. Could you, could you prepare somebody for me, Lord? And, and it was something that was just so innate that he wanted. It was, it was part of his life. He was, he was, it was you know, taking up residence in his thoughts. And he just came to God and he said, Lord, you know, even this thing, let, let me bring it to you. Because your word says anything, there's a broadness to it. You didn't say I can only come to you with certain things or only the big things. But God, this thing that's on my mind and on my heart, I want to bring it to you. And so we're able to approach God saying this. Yet some of us, we say, God, this X, Y, Z thing, this, this significant thing I'm going to bring to you, but this little other insignificant thing, I'm not bringing it to you. God, uh, th- this, this thing that is overwhelming me, I'm, I'm going to bring it to you. But God, that thing that is just kind of nagging in the back of my mind that I, you know what, oh, God could care less about that. I'm not going to bring that to you. No, the Bible says anything and everything. Yes, God, I know that you're like in control of all things. And actually, because you're in control of all things, you're, you're pretty much keeping everything in order. You're, you're telling the waves where they should go and no further. You're spinning the world on its axis. You're, you're doing all this stuff in the universe. So I couldn't bother you with this thing. I'm not coming to you with that. Why would I? We sometimes feel this way. Have you ever done this? You know, someone stops and challenges you. Have you prayed about that yet? And you think, well, no, I haven't prayed about that. And you stop and think to yourself, why haven't I prayed about that? We can bring anything and everything to him. It kind of reminds me of the little girl who was going to bed and she said bye to her friends and her family and she started going walking up the stairs and she's going to go to sleep. And as she stands there at the top of the stairs, she looks back down and says, hey guys, I'm going up to say my prayers. I'm going to bed. Is there anything y'all need? 
Although her theology might not be completely right, she had this understanding. There is absolutely nothing that I cannot bring before God. So you guys got anything? I'll bring it. You got anything? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got anything? You got anything I should pray over? See, the Bible tells us we can bring all things. God is concerned about us. He's concerned about the things of our heart. He, he sees what we are consumed with, and he cares for us. He cares about his children. God says, whatever you ask in my name. And what I realize is that this is possible, as we've looked throughout this series, only because of this one word called relationship. God cares for us. Why? Because he is deeply yearning a relationship with us. And haven't you noticed that as we progress in relationships, right? Stop and think about this. Your own relationship with your spouse, your significant other, your relationship with your best friend, right? When you met them at first on, on, on the parking, uh, in the bus or, or waiting on that park bench for the bus to come or wherever it is that your relationship with your best friend evolved and you first met. Think about the progression of relationship. When we first meet someone, we're concerned about the big things, aren't we? Hey, well, the big things of what is your name? You know, where are you from? Where do you come from? So, and so on and so forth. There, there are icebreaker questions that we start asking to start getting to know somebody. And it's very rigid. It's very formal. It's very like, you know, you go and then I go and then we'll kind of reciprocate. And, and, but as we progress in relationship, the questions begin uh, breaking down from very formal to very informal. You know, the, the conversation starts flowing. And we, you know, divert our attention from just the big important things to the very small things. And, and before we were concerned about where's your family of origin and what's your name and, 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 and where are you from? And now we start asking the small things. Hey, what's your favorite color? Hey, what kind of foods do you like? You know, what's your favorite meal? And, and like, hey, what can we eat together? And you start asking, what's the songs that you like and the genre of music so we can jam out together and we can enjoy music together? We start asking from the very big to the very small and we get in the minutia. Why? Because as relationships grow and progress, we get smaller and more in formal and we get to just flow we get to talk about everything we get to talk about anything and it's not like there's only certain things and certain boundaries and we have to go no further it's the same way with God he said hey bring me everything not just the big stuff not just the most concerning things not just the impossibilities but what is the desires of your heart what is the things that are most pressing to you? The things that you're always consumed with, the every little details of your life, bring it to me. Have you ever done that? Have you found yourself praying over very small things and then sometimes people will question you, why are you praying over that? You bring that to God? Amen, do it. Bring every little thing to him because he's concerned with all of it. It's part of our ongoing relationship. And so by now you've realized that this relationship is key. Jesus says, hey, when you pray, notice how you know in the scriptures we've looked and even here in this upper room discourse, if you look at John 14 and 15 and you keep on reading, Jesus is talking. Every time he references prayer, he mentions your father, your father, your father. He invites them to pray to your father and he wants wanted them to have fixed in their minds there needs to be a relationship between you and God the Father. This thing about prayer is a dynamic relationship because God the Father listens to the cries of his children. He listens to the cries of his children. 
man, when Micah starts crying, I'm like, you know, sometimes there's a thud or something happens. I'm in the other room. I come running and this kid's crying. I, I, I am concerned as, as to what is going on. Even when he is, you know, starting to fuss and he starts to put on his whiny voice and his crying voice, even though everything is perfectly fine, I start paying attention and we engage in a dialogue, in a conversation. A father cares about the cries of his children. And this was so different from the world in which Jesus was living. See, the Greeks, they didn't believe that to be possible, a relationship with God. The Greeks had an understanding that, you know what, you don't want to go and approach the gods. Why? Because the gods, you, you would not approach the gods and say the father and, and, and want to build a relationship. They had this idea that the gods were, you know, uh, angry and temperamental. And you might catch the gods, you know, in one of their moods and so uh, risk being killed by the gods. There, there's a story of, of a, a demigod in, in the Greek culture uh, called Prometheus. And Prometheus was the one who came and was affectionate towards man. He was, he was actually charged to, to make man. And, and he gave fire to man. And because he did so, the head of the gods, uh, this is lowercase g, by the way, uh, Zeus was not too happy with Prometheus. He condemned Prometheus to be chained to an island in the Adriatic Sea and to have his innards, to have his liver that would always regenerate every single day, to be plucked out by ravens and birds and eagles and such. Why? Because he gave fire to man. That sounds like a really approachable God that I want to serve, huh? Be careful if you cry out because he might be angry and thus condemn and convict you. See, the Romans of Jesus, they had a similar idea where by the gods, they, they had created the world, but they were distant and off doing their own thing. And so why would you approach them? The Jewish people of the time, they became so formal and legalistic to the point that they would not ever consider praying to God the Father. Uh, in fact, if whenever they would do their prayers, and there were several prayers that you would do by, you know, during the day, they had this word called Hashem. Hashem means the name. So when they would pray, they would say, we pray to Hashem, we pray to the name. Why? Because they would not even say his name. They pray to the name. There was no understanding of this familiarity and, and relationship that was inviting. And so here comes Jesus on the scene and he says, hey, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven our father wait what you're engaging god he you're not worried that he might be angry and smite you you are approaching god you are actually believing that he is close and nearby and attentive to your prayer you are engaging god and you are calling him by father that is intimate Jesus came and he switched the paradigm. And so what I want you to understand, the bottom line is that when you pray, you're not praying to this dreadful, sovereign king of the universe. You're praying to someone who is intimately concerned with your needs and says, you can bring anything before me. Why? Because prayer is broad. How many of you guys got something that you need to pray over and you haven't quite necessarily found it in the scriptures, but you say, you know what? If there is a God who is able to do all things immeasurably more than what I can ask or imagine, I'm going to come to him asking him for this. 
It is broad. But at the same time, prayer has some parameters. Some of us read the scripture and take it out of context. That's why I want us to realign it because we say, you know what, I'm going to come. Prayer is so broad. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to pray over anything and everything and I'm going to get my way. It's going to happen exactly the way I want it, when I want it, how I want it. And I have this promise from the scriptures. I will quote it till I'm blue in the face. John 14 verse 13. Ask anything. But then he says, in my name. When we include that statement, there now comes to the broadness of prayer, a parameter, a boundary, a guideline, a guardrail is put in place by which we can pray to God. And that is a couple of things that I want us to to look at real quick is this. First of all, when we pray, we are praying to God in his name. When it says that there is a boundary there, the first boundary is a boundary of identity. You know, when you stop and think about this, have you ever heard somebody from another religion praying who, who worships a, a different deity, praying and saying at the end of their prayers, in the middle of their prayers, or when they start their prayers, in Jesus' name? Have you ever found a Hindu praying in Jesus' name? No. Why? Because they are praying in the name of a different leader. They, they are identifying with a different leader. They are identifying with a different source. And so they don't say in Jesus' name. But you are called a Christian, and so what is a Christian? Those who follow after Christ. You and I are to identify with Jesus, to identify with him. That's why we pray in his name. We pray in identity to him. As Jesus so often said, when you pray, I want you to pray to my Father, and I want you to look at my example. I am always praying to him. I am always praying. And so as you pray in this manner, identify with me and approach the Father saying, Lord, I'm coming to you, God the Father. In the name of your son, as I have seen him do time and time again, he is praying unto you. I am praying along in identity with him. I'm following after his example. I'm identifying with him. To pray in the name of Jesus is to identify with Jesus. In our prayers, they rise and they fall on our perception, understanding, our view of Jesus, does it not? Our prayers, let me tell you again, they rise or they fall within our concept of Jesus. See, Jesus, who is he to you? Who was he to you? If you have a very low view of Jesus, let me just venture to say that your prayer life is very ineffective. If you have a very low view of Jesus, let me just say that you might be doing a lot of activity in terms of actually praying, yet you might be praying very little. You might be effective in very little. Why? Because the Bible shows us time and time again, Jesus speaking to his disciples. If you look back in verse 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, this is the context of what he's saying, that you're gonna be able to pray anything in my name. The context is, he says, the works that I do, he will also do and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask, he's speaking about those who have a relationship with him, who saw him, who believed after him, who every single word that he said, I am who I am, and I will do what I said I will do. I have done and I have finished the work. Now I go to the Father. If you have believed that and entered into that, into that relationship, you have by extension the ability to now come and ask everything. Why? Because you've identified with him. 
Think back earlier in John 14 when Jesus said to the disciples, hey, I'm going away and where, where am I going? You know, where I'm going. You guys already know where I'm going. Thomas turns and looks at him, the doubter, and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we can't go after you. Can we go after you? Like, we don't know where you're going, Lord. And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. More literally, I am the only way. The only truth, the only life, and none will come to the Father if not through me. When Jesus introduced that I am statement, and he declared to be the way, the truth, and the life, what Jesus did in that moment, he says, look, there is an exclusive way. The boundary is set, and nobody, you are praying to this, that, or whatever. You are invoking this leader or that leader, this deity or that deity, yet none of it will come to the Father because you have to enter in identified with me. You have to enter in through me. Through me, you get to the Father. So you want to pray and have it be effective? Identify with him. Boundary number one. If you have not come into a relationship whereby you can say, God the Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You have not entered into a relationship. Let me just propose to you that you can't ask for anything or whatever you want. You can't ask for everything. You cannot enter into the broadness of prayer. Why? Because you do not have a relationship. Therefore, your first prayer should be, Lord, I have entered in to relationship with your son. Help me to receive that which you have promised through your son for my life. Lord, here I am. Forgive me of my sins and wash me and redeem me. Cleanse me as your word has promised that you would do as I enter in to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of my life. That should be our first and primary prayer. Then we can move into the next let me give you two more real quick. The authority is a second boundary in which we have to identify. If we are going to pray and have it be effective, then we need to come under this boundary of authority. We identify under Jesus Christ's authority over our lives. There is an authority when we pray in Jesus' name. Sometimes some of us, we will append in Jesus' name at the end of our prayer in order to give it authority. But we have to understand that the authority is already there because of the nature of his name. To the Jews, a person's name meant a person's authority. It meant a person's reputation and so on. To the disciples in Jerusalem, they said, by what name are you doing such things? When we look in the book of Acts, when we look in the book of Mark, when we look all throughout the Gospels and the disciples are doing what they're doing on earth, they're preaching, they're casting out demons, they're healing the sick, they're doing all these incredible ministry moments. The Pharisees and Sadducees come up to them and say, by what name, by what authority are you doing such things? There's an authority that we need to identify with and come underneath of. A name represents a person. And when you pray in Jesus' name, it's the only signature that heaven will accept. It's kind of like the dad who took his kids to the fair and the kids wanted to go on rides. So dad picked up a whole wad of, of tickets to go on these rides. And all of a sudden, every ride he would go, the kids would stick out their hands and say, daddy, daddy, help me out. Give me, your, give me a ticket. Give me a ticket. I want to ride this ride. And so he, he would go to the next ride and three little hands are there. And so he'd put a ticket in his hands, in the kid's hands, and they would go and ride the ride. When he got to this one particular ride, all of a sudden, instead of three hands, there's a fourth hand there asking for a ticket. And he's about to give it, and he realizes, this isn't my kid. Yet there's a little kid with a hand held out, wanting a ticket to go on the ride. And he's about to give it, and he pulls his hand back and says, this kid isn't my kid, so why am I going to give him a ticket? 
While this is happening, his son, one of his sons, sees the exchange, runs over to dad, say, hey, dad, this is my friend Timmy. Give him a ticket. I told him that if he came and told you that he is my friend, that you would give him a ticket. And so the dad honored the son's name, honored the son's words, and he said, here you go. And that child was able to ride the ride. When we come and we come under the authority of God, we don't come in our own authority. I don't come in my name and say, God, in Brian's name, I say, amen, let it be done. I don't come in my mother's name, although she is a prayer warrior praying for me all throughout my childhood and and getting me out of trouble and the Holy Spirit revealing things to her when I wasn't doing what was right. I don't come under her anointing. I don't come under the authority of this church when I press in. I come under the authority of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we say, Lord, by his name, God, by his name, what your son has promised. Lord, I'm coming by his name. I'm dropping his name. And I want to experience what you have in store because of what he has done. Have you ever name dropped? You ever tell your friend, hey, you, you want a good deal? All right, go to my mechanic. All right, when you go to him, you say, hey, Johnny sent you. And because you said Johnny sent you, he's going to give you a good deal because we're really good friends. Have you ever name dropped before? You know, call this person, call this business and let them know that you're, hey, my brother's got a business. Tell them you're my friend. I'm his, you know, like I go to my brother-in-law's shop to get my car fixed. Why? Because I drop his sister's name. Hey, I'm your brother-in-law married to your sister. Hook me up, right? We drop names. Why? Because the name has an authority. When we come in prayer and we declare, hey, I'm going to say in my prayers, Lord, do this in Jesus' name. We have to understand that we're doing this to come under his authority. And his authority, identified with him, is good steps. But there's a third element, a third boundary for us to experience effectiveness in our prayers and that is this we have to come under the conformity of his word we have to be conformed to his word see some people will speak out and cry out to god and they will pray all these things and and they will receive the first half of the scriptures that says hey i'm going to pray for anything and anything in every one of my heart's desires and then i'm going to say the formulaic at the very end the formula i'm going to put in jesus name yes I identify with him. I'm coming under his authority, but I'm asking and it's going to be so and it's going to be good. And yet our prayers are ineffective. Why? Because the Bible tells us that we need to abide in him and his words need to abide in us. And when they do, when we are doing this abiding, when we are remaining within him, then we can ask for anything. Why? Because what we ask for will be in accordance to his will. Some of us, we have, you know, come to God asking for all sorts of different things. We've name dropped. We've done all of this stuff, but yet we are not living under the conformity. To the Jews, a name contained a person's uh, identity. It was the person's reputation. It meant their interests, their pleasures, their commands, their excellence. If you look it up in a Greek dictionary, you'll find that the name means all of these things. And in other words, it's his reputation. When in the Old Testament, David was going about his business and going out to battle, it says that he behaved himself more wisely than all the other servants of Saul, so that his name became esteemed greatly. So that, in other words, his reputation was on the rise. Because of what God was doing in his life and what he was choosing to do, David became more popular. 
A name represented all that a person was. That name, the name of God, the name of Jesus represents more than just a title. It represents and embodies his character, his essence. We can see this all throughout. If you look at the meaning of the name Jesus, it means savior. And he did that. He fulfilled that. He accomplished that. When we look at God in the Old Testament, there's a a scripture in Exodus 34. Listen to this. Then the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with Moses and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty. Did you get that? Inside of his name, there is parts of his essence and parts of his nature. And what I'm, what's the point of all this? Why am I bringing this to you, church? This morning, as we consider, I'm going to invite the team to come back up. As we consider prayer this year, we can ask him anything and everything. We can ask him because we're identifying with him. We're calling out to his name. As he cried out to the Father, we're following after his footsteps by which he's become the mediator for us to come to the Father. We are coming under his authority, but we have to be in conformity to everything that he is and everything that he's about. We come under his nature. Every now and again, people will shop, if you stop and think about this, they'll shop for certain name brands, right? Some people will shop for certain name brands because they want the the they they, they want what it what it means for them and, and, and how you know the status symbol of what it produces. But other people shop for, for name brands and labels. Why? Because they know that there is quality behind that name. This manufacturer will not suffer their reputation going through the mud by producing something that is not of quality and of caliber. Why? Because the name is important. And so in this scenario, when we stop and think, I'm coming under the name of Jesus, he is not going to drag his name through the mud. God is not going to allow his name to diminish in value by granting prayers that have nothing to do with his character and nature. By meeting people at their needs and their requests when they are not living in conformity to everything that his essence stands for. God wants us to come under conformity when Jesus taught us to pray say father in heaven hallowed be your name I want your name to be glorified when we pray could it be that we're not experiencing answers because the only person who will be glorified if that prayers was answered is the person who is sitting in our chairs It's me, myself, and I. The glory will come to me. I remember when I first started coming to this church, I got plugged into a small group. Pastor Jackie Doucette was, who's now a missionary in India. She she would lead the prayer meetings and I found out she was having a small group in her house and some young adults were participating there. And at the time I was working on this multi-level marketing deal on the side and working and, and had a main job and working on this on the side. And man, my life was all about making that small business grow and she used to ask us to fill out prayer requests i can tell you that every single week my number one prayer or pretty much my only prayer god bless my business make it grow 
I'm growing internationally, locally, and nationally. I have businesses all over. I got teams all over the place. And I was, I was writing all these affirm, affirmations, and, and it was part of my prayer. And, and she one day brought out those, and she's like, hey, I still have those. This was like years down the road as, as God had like changed my trajectory. And he started, you know, leading me more down this road of, of, of discipleship and coming into relationship with him. And I was excited about being in church. I was excited about following after God and and chasing after the Holy Spirit and growing in my walk with Jesus. I was excited to open up my my Bible and just read and pray. And, you know, I I was learning so much and I was so excited just to be around other Christians. And it was so exciting. And then one day she's like, you know what? I still have your prayer requests from back then. And I just, I'm like, I don't even want to see them. Can you just tell me, what's the general theme? She's like, you would pray for your business all the time. Every prayer request. I'm like, wow. It's like, never did I pray for anyone else? No, not really. Anything else? No, one time you prayed for like, you know, a girlfriend. (laughs) But it's mostly about this. And I remember what my life was like in that time. I wasn't really fun to be around if you couldn't serve my business or if you couldn't be a customer of mine or a team member of mine, you, you weren't going to be part of my multi-level marketing deal. You know what? I had no time for you. I had no attention for you. I could care less about you. God bless you. You're another human being sucking down air. That's awesome. But you're not going to bless me. Therefore, I need to move on. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me. Because I know if I had that same attitude and mindset, I should not be sitting or standing up here is about serving his kingdom and following after him and he revolutionized my life and he started changing some things and my life looks a lot different now and i I don't have any uh, qualms with people working in multi-level marketing god bless you if you got a good one legitimate it's not a pyramid scheme keep growing keep growing keep growing that's awesome be a blessing so you can be can bless others amen to that but one thing i know for me i wasn't healthy enough to be in it And I wasn't in the right mode. And so God was not answering my prayer. Why? Because I was not asking so that his name could be glorified. We want to grow this year. We want to see God move in our lives. We want to see God move in this church. I know that we need to start hitting our knees and praying. So today, I don't know what it is that you are grappling with. I don't know what you have opened up 2022 with whether there's an impossible mountain or you know what God has ironed out in some incredible moments he has given to you in faith and you've experienced him answering your prayers. But I know that it's just the beginning and he's got a lot more. There's small things he wants to answer. There's big things he wants to move in your lives. And he will know that you can approach him with anything. You can pray to him and not just append his name at the end of a prayer, but you can come under the understanding, acknowledgement that, hey, wow, when he said, pray in my name, he said, I need to come in identifying under his authority and in conformity to his word. So my invitation to you this morning as you stand with me, could it be that you might be praying something that is just outside of his will? My invitation for you as you engage your prayers today Even if you come to this altar today or you leave this place and you're at home praying today and praying throughout this week and you're engaging God for whatever it is that you need, that you want, 
My invitation to you is this. Do you know this book? Are you spending time in this book? Because you can come to understand his will. We might be praying and we might be like Balaam, who understood parts of God's will, yet he did not understand others. And, and when someone came to him and said, I want you to place a curse upon the people of God, the Israelites, he prayed to God and God gave him an answer. And he said, no, you will not do so. Why? Because they're my chosen people. And when they came back to him and say, what did God say? Are you going to be able to curse them for us? He said, I can't really do much. But you know what? Don't go with your gifts. Don't go with what you're about to pay me and what you have used to, to contract me to come and do this for you. Just stay right there. Let me go back to God. Let me go entreat him once more and see if he's changed his mind. Maybe some of us are like Balaam and we just are asking God for something that is not inside of this book. Something that's outside of his will. See, God is not going to do something that's going to curse somebody else. He's not going to do something that's going to bring harm and, and wrongdoing to others. He's not going to violate his reputation and his name. Why? Because he's a good, good father who gives good gifts to his children. Maybe we're asking for something because we just don't know all the benefits and the promises. The last thing I'll leave you with, maybe we're not getting what we want because we're approaching him and we're demanding and we're commanding him to do whatever it is that's within his will. Yet every time I see Jesus saying, even in this one scripture, he said, when you approach God, ask him for anything. That word ask, aiteo, is over 70 times in the New Testament. It's always ask humbly, come before him greatly. With boldness, you can approach him, but with boldness, you don't declare or dictate to him what to do. Why? Because God is sovereign and he is holy. He's got a plan and a purpose. And who of us can redirect the sovereignty of God? Who of us can dictate to him what to do? We can remind him of his word, but we come to him saying, Lord, I ask you, you've promised my good father to heal us by the stripes of your son Jesus Christ so I'm not demanding you to do it but God I'm asking you could you please Lord I'm coming to you humbly knowing my position boldly coming to you to the throne of grace could you do this for me I invite you to just close your eyes Father there's so much that could be said but I trust that your word is sufficient for us that we could ask anything whatsoever we would need in your name that you would grant it to us. God, your children here today are coming from different seasons in life and different circumstances, Lord God, within their home. You know the needs, Lord God, before the words are on our lips. Father, I invite you to come into every circumstance in need. God, redirect where the prayers have been prayed. If there's been, Lord God, selfishness and, and one-sided asking, I pray, God, that you would just allow us to transition our focus on you. Lord, how would you, granting this need, bring glory to your name? Father, I know that you do not want to be 
a light that is buried under a basket. Lord, like a city, Lord Jesus, you want us to be on the hill so that, Lord, light could be shown all around and those who are hurting, those who are on the peripheral, those, Lord God, who do not yet know you could come to seek you, to find you, to hear from you, to be transformed by you, God. So, Lord, there's prayers that need to be answered for your name's sake, to glorify you and, Lord Jesus, to magnify your plan around our region and in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. Father, I pray that you would release your answers. In Jesus' mighty name.